What's up, everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audiovisual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. No matter how many times I say that, I still feel like I stutter every time. I'm here with some awesome people. Uh, Cameron, how are you doing? I'm doing so good, Mike. Good to be here, man. So glad to hear it. Uh, Brooke, hello there. Hi. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm okay. (laughs) Uh, and lastly, we have Drew. Drew, how's it going? Good, I'm good. Happy to be here, too. Yay, we're glad to have you. Um, I, I know, Drew, Drew, you're in finals week right now, which you still happen to grace us, grace us with your presence, which is so nice of you. Incredibly kind of you. Um, we did this a couple episodes back, and I just want to do it again. Can we all go around the room and share with us what we're drinking? And we're going to start with Drew, because he just brought his on camera. So this is just coffee. Uh, so the ingredients are espresso and some milk and a little bit of creamer and ice. So that's and what goes ta- with that. And a tasteful mason jar. That's the vibe. That's like yeah. the whole. I like, yeah. Adds to it. Brooke, what are you drinking? Um, I, I'm just drinking water. Um, let me, if I can quickly tell the story of why I drink water. So when I was four years old, um, I was, um, they like had like the pullout group, you know, where, where like they take the kids out and they were trying to say something about how like your heart should be pure like water. But what I heard is that if you only drink water, Jesus will come and live in your heart. And I've just kind of been saving my parents money since then. I have actually I actually know a few other people that are doing the same thing by only drinking water, so that's amazing uh, and very healthy. I am also drinking water, but with emergency in it. That's what I'm doing because I'm a healthy boy. I don't know if that's actually healthy, but I hope it's good for you. It's supposed to make you not sick. That's the goal. <laughs> I don't know if that counts. Brooke says you, Brooke doesn't think that counts. Uh, well. It doesn't taste good, so I hope it counts because it's fine. Cameron, what are you drinking? Is Are you worried about your immune system, Mike? I am. I open a show this week. So I'm, oh, trying, okay, I see. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm trying very hard to be healthy, so I'm like, yes, immune system. Let's try to stay, stay good. I am drinking a nice, a nice hot cup of joe, plain black. Um, it gets me, it's what gets me going and keeps my world uh afloat so that's that's the that's the drink this morning this is like two less drinks than you normally have too cameron i do i do have my big old hydro flask of water right next to me what i don't have and what i lament not having is sparkling water and that's because i've neglected my uh grocery store trip this week oh oh i haven't been to the grocery store in like two months (laughs) it's a it's a problem it's a problem uh yay we we're all hydrated in some way shape or form or caffeinated all the things i hope you at home are also drinking your water and finding Jesus through it. (laughs) Uh, With all that being said, Cameron, do you want to open us up in prayer? Yeah, sure. Let's pray. Uh, Good and gracious God, 
Uh, we're grateful not only for uh, the opportunity to drink clean water and be hydrated and support healthy immune systems and be caffeinated so that we can get done what needs to be got done, we're also grateful for the opportunity to hang out together and to uh, look at scripture and see what we might learn from your scriptures and from each other. So may we learn something this morning and uh, may we perhaps uh, grow in our relationship with you from our time together. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, and that leads us right into Brooke with our New Testament text. Brooke, are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. I feel kind of typecasted because I feel like I always do the New Testament text, but it's fine. It's fine. I am learning a lot. Um, all right. So my text is First Peter. I think last changing. Yes, my text is First Peter, chapter two, verses two through ten, and I um, just. Slight disclosure, um, I am, um, I've been having a hard week. I had some disappointing things happen last week, and so I've been feeling kind of sad, and <laughs> that's what I'm carrying with me into this text. Um, so we start with, um, the first verse I want to point out is verse 2, be like newborn babes who are thirsty for the pure spiritual milk that will help you grow and be saved. You have already found out how good the Lord really is. And I've been thinking a little bit about this because, um, gosh, I've been, I've been like processing a lot lately. Um, and one thing that I was disappointed in myself is, um, if you've, <laughs> if you've seen me on past episodes, I, um, you know, sometimes I'm like really feeling it with God and I feel really hopeful and really grateful and really excited about life. Um, and what I most want in myself, um, the self that I most morally approve of is the me that wants what God wants, right? The me that gets up in the morning. And the reason why I'm doing everything is because I want to help build God's kingdom with God. I want to help bring God's kingdom to earth. I want, I want to live with love. And that is my most urgent desire. Um, when I found when I encountered, um, when I encountered disappointment last week is that that was not my desire anymore. Um, suddenly my desire became, um, I don't know it. I think sadness and heartache made me um, selfish. So it was like, even though I know there's inside of me, like I believe that the deepest truth is to like want God's kingdom. The deepest and truest truth for me in that moment is that like, that was not what I wanted. Like I desired selfish things. Um, even if in that moment, if I were to act on that desire, um, like I would have wanted selfish things even if, even if it meant not, not doing what God wanted. Um, it's not like I can, <laughs> it's not like I could like grab my desires or make that happen. Um, but it was, it was humbling and kind of disheartening for me to realize that 
that I still, um, that I can't always want what God wants. So I kind of feel a little bit like a spiritual babe in that, um, I don't know. I feel, I feel young. Um, and I feel like, I think, I think there's different things going on here. I don't know what's going on here, but I feel like when they say spiritual babe, what they're kind of saying, what Peter, the writer of first Peter is kind of saying, um, I think it's both like we're young and we're maturing, but also this idea of like a spiritual babe needs like a child, a baby, like needs the parent, right? Like the, baby is completely dependent on an adult, on someone. I don't know. There's the stories about like the wolves caring for the babies. It needs someone else to care for it. Right. Um, and I feel that way in my sadness, but I also feel like, um, but I also feel, um, I feel like I don't want what God has to offer. Um, even though I feel dependent on God, um, I feel resistant to that dependence and, um, yeah, but I'm trying to remember that, um, verse three says you have already found out how good the Lord really is. And again, like sometimes I have times, a lot of times I have times where I love God and like God glows for me and the world glows and it's so beautiful and good and wonderful. And I'm so excited and grateful for it. Um, and I have the memory of that, but it's just, that's not at the center of my desires right now. So I'm trying to remember like how to get back there, if that makes sense. I had more to say, but I think that was longer than I thought it would be. Um, so we can leave it there. (laughs) No, Brooke, Brooke, I thought this was great. So I, I often look at my relationship with God as like a, like, basically a friendship where I'm being a really bad friend, you know, similar to like, I don't know if you're, if you're not doing well and you have the one friend that like always helps you through that or is always there for you. It actually means more for a different friend who's not always there for you to be the one to support you. Cause that's like out of the norm, at least for me, that's how I feel. So then I find myself taking advantage of the, the friend who's always there for me. And I'm like, ah, well, that doesn't mean anything anymore. It means a lot from this person who never does it. And that's like how I view my relationship with God. Sometimes it's like, God's always there for me. And therefore like my brain is like, I want, like, I want this from somewhere else. I want my care to come from elsewhere because you're always there. That's not, that's like, become the constant anyways this is a total tangent but that i, I don't know what you're saying kind of ma- makes me think of that same thing it's like um just the fact that god is always there sometimes at least for me makes it me overlook that care and i want something different sometimes um and like it's pretty cool of god to still always be there <laughs> whereas your friends could get burnt out from that i'm like all right you don't want me fine but god's like always there i don't know yeah Brooke, i i I don't know about everybody else in the room, but I can certainly identify with the feeling of always sort of being in the spiritual stage of being a babe. I felt like a spiritual babe the entire time I've been a practicing Christian and it's been going on like 10 years now. And I I think it's because there will always be some tension in discerning the difference between um, what is the sort of realization of our self and our desire and our self's 
alignment and our desire with God's desire and ourselves. So sort of determining what is what is the difference between um, healthy and fruitful desire and maybe desire and the word that you used was selfish. How, how do we know what is selfish and what is not? And how do we know if our what we're interpreting as our selfishness is in fact um, in alignment with God's desire for our life? Um, and also, Mike, to your point, living in the tension of, yes, God's care is always there for us. So how do we allow ourselves to receive that care without feeling indebted, which results in feelings of like guilt? Um, God's, God's friendship with us, how, how, how do we allow our friendship with God um, to proceed in a fruitful way rather than a way that makes us feel like there's a friend that we owe something to? Because we, we ultimately, our love and care for God and God's love and care for us is not um, based on this like sort of debt economy, right? Yeah, I think it's interesting what you guys were talking about, because I feel like, which I'm a young Christian, not only in like age, but in like, you know, Christian experience. And I feel like um, frustrated with myself a lot of the time, even though I try not to give myself too hard of time. You know, when I wake up some mornings and I'm like, sort of like what Brooke was saying, like, yeah, I'm so ready to do whatever it is that uh, God wants me to do today or just, you know anything right and then and then there's other days where it's like there's so much going on in my life right uh maybe three four five day spans where i haven't even thought about what god has for me or you know i like i like to think that i'm still doing things for god even subconsciously in those days but i feel like that's like and you know i'm like maybe that's not how it's supposed to be so i think for me at least recently sort of trying to Think about how those things can align and sort of kind of like what Campbell's saying, I think, like taking what you consider to be selfish desires and trying to maybe bring those together. You know what I mean? Where as you progress through your Christianity, your desires start to become more like God's desires. And so they sort of meet more often, I guess. Yeah. God, that's so good. Also, Again, this is coming from Drew during like finals week. That's insane. My brain would be so fried and Drew's dropping everything. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Cam, Brooke, also so much for sharing that. Um, this moves us into the Old Testament text of Acts. <laughs> Drew, take it away if you're ready. All right. So this is Acts 7, 55 through 6. Uh, 60, yeah. So, let me see. So, uh, this, is a, this is about Stephen, obviously, who uh, it doesn't end too well for him. <laughs> but, uh, so the first thing that I want to talk about with this is um, what it looks like for Stephen um, to be doing what uh, God has called him to do. And I think that sort of, we were kind of just talking about it, but sometimes uh, it's very hard to, for me, it's very hard to feel like I am passionately going towards what God wants me to do. And compared to what Stephen has going on here, 
my things are extremely easy, which I think is interesting. But uh, so he's in the situation where these uh, these people are clearly very upset with him. They're trying to harm him. And uh, while he's in the, the midst of that, uh, he says, as it says, as they stoned him, um, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. And I think that uh, it's really interesting how in this moment, he's still passionate for uh, what God's mission is through these people. Um, and he says, don't charge them with sin. And he's thinking about um, these people who are condemning him and harming him. And he's thinking about uh, their souls in this moment. And um, if you look back, it says his accusers took off their coats. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul, which is eventually Paul. And I think most of us are familiar with Paul, right? And I think that it's, it's really interesting how when we serve God in the way that, uh, what does it say? It says, full of the Holy Spirit. So when we serve God, full of the Holy Spirit, in whatever way that might mean, um, our actions really have a domino effect in ways that um, we might never see, clearly he can see, which uh, can change the world because obviously we know that a lot of the New Testament, right, was written by Paul. A lot of the, the way that our church is structured today came from that sort of line of thinking, right? And uh, by Stephen following this, uh, he really had an impact that obviously God foresaw, but maybe he didn't. Yeah, thanks, Drew. Um, I, I think that, so just speaking to your last point, uh, that Saul, who becomes Paul, had an impact that maybe he wasn't aware of. Um, I think that that's probably true for most of us. And this is, I'm going to say an I statement, meaning this is something that I believe, but I don't expect anybody else to believe. I believe that we have um, we have control over our lives, but we maybe don't have as much control as we think we do. Um, and and so that I, for me, that that sort of is a source of uh, some comfort, um, because uh, I if I think too much or spend too much time thinking about the domino effect of my actions in a day to day on a day to day basis, I think that I'd become uh, like pretty anxious about every movement that I made in the world. Um, so I, I think when we think about the domino effect of our actions, or at least when I think about the domino effect of my actions, I have to have some trust and some hope that um, God will use me and my behavior and my actions for the good. So there's a, since Neil's not on this episode, I'll make the pop culture references. Uh, but there's this movie called Adjustment Bureau with Matt Damon, where it literally like entirely talks about these like domino and the ripple effects of like every small little detail. Like I think the dude spills his coffee and that leads to him becoming president. It's a whole thing. Um, but I I like I I, I might like um, 
since Cam made his I statement, I actually feel like I um I like benefit in thinking of the the domino effect of like my actions on a day to day because um at least for me I need that to like keep me geared towards like I don't know making choices that I think will benefit others like I I just want to have I just I guess I don't have faith in my innate ability to like cause positive effects so I like I need to have that conscious element in my brain at all times in order to feel like okay maybe I'm like hopefully like shining some sort of light of Christ as I go just by like interacting in a way that's contrary to like my impulses right um yeah I don't know I'll leave it there that's really interesting I um I'm trying to think of of the show or there's something that made me think about this recently. Um but I um I've been thinking a bit about healing. Um and I've been thinking about that because there are um there are things in my life where um something will come up and I'll, um, it'll, it'll kind of reopen a wound of when a person really hurt me. Um, and sometimes I'll think like, oh, like I'm past this, um, and I can have forgiveness for that person. But sometimes it, um, I realize, um, again, with this like (laughs) realization of like, I'm not as far as I wish I was, um, with these things, um, I'll realize, like, no, I, I still do have a lot of anger and pain and bitterness around this. Um, and when that happens for me, um, my favorite verse in the Bible and my favorite words in the Bible are when Jesus says while he's being crucified, um, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Um, and that means that means a lot to me because it it speaks to me about God's character of justice and um, which to me, like justice has to include love. It has to include mercy and how that's just so deeply ingrained in God's character. And yet when I'm hurt, one of the things that hurts so much is that to me, I have to believe they knew exactly what they were doing and it was wrong and I need them. <laughs> Preferably, I would like for them to know that it was wrong. Um And I can just have, because it feels so personal often, because it feels often so like I'm, I'm fighting off the shame that there was some reason that they hurt me. Um, it's hard to detach from it. Um, but what, what I admire about what Stephen does here is what I see and hear Stephen doing is, I mean, Stephen's being stoned to death. I, I don't know what Stephen, I imagine that was a horrible experience and probably not how he thought his day would go or his life would end. Um, And yet in the midst of that horrible experience, the fact that he, he has a prayer for them, the fact that he says, God, like, please, please welcome me, but also don't hold this against them, which is like what Jesus says, right? It's this, it's the sentiment of Christ, but the fact that the fact that he can have so much love for them in the midst of that is, um, that's, oh, that, that's what I really want to pray, um, for my own heart. Yeah. Probably not how he thought his day would go. 
That's the quote of the episode right now. Um, yeah, we talk about ripple effects. What are the effects of our actions? What are the effects of us going to a break right now? Will you stay on and listen to the second half? Will you never come back? Who's to say? But we're going to go to a break anyways. the great conversations about soccer wes anderson dogs other things that we'll never know how to share with you uh cameron are you oh liverpool that's right because cam plays fifa (laughs) just kidding uh cameron do you want to take us away with the psalms text yeah sure um so i have psalm 31 verses 1 through 5 and 15 through 16 and the first thing that i love about this psalm is that it proves or it illustrates, again, the um, Jewishness of Jesus, uh, because many folks don't know that uh, G- one of Jesus's last words into your hands, I commend my spirit, uh, that comes from this psalm, Psalm 31, uh, verse 5. And this is from the Common English Bible. I entrust my spirit into your hands. You, Lord God of faithfulness, you have saved me. So when Jesus is dying, he's quoting scripture. Um which I think speaks not only to Jesus's Jewishness, but Jesus's biblical literacy, which it seems a little unfair that Jesus, I mean, Jesus is God. So of course he's biblically literate, but I think it also illustrates the importance of biblical literacy, particularly in a religious landscape like we find ourselves in, in the United States of America. Um, But so anyways, I I do want to focus on that last verse. I, I entrust my spirit into your hands, you, Lord God of faithfulness, you have saved me. Um, I think that while I've listened to us speak this morning, I've heard um, a little bit of anxiety uh, about how, how do how do we um, how do we align our desires with God's desires? Um, how do we behave in ways that will result in the kingdom of God? How do we respond to the love of God in our lives and the friendship of God in our lives? Um, And I think that some of the anxiety is a pretty common Christian anxiety of wanting and like sort of desperately wanting to be good, to be a good Christian, to enact the love of God that we know somewhere in our hearts, to contribute to the realization of the kingdom of God on earth. Um, and I think the interesting thing about anxiety is that anxiety can sort of uh, cause us to move in ways that might be um, opposite to uh, what our desire is. So if our desire is goodness, I think that fear, um, which is sort of a source of our anxiety, fear that we're not good enough, fear that um, our actions won't result in good results or that our friendship with God isn't up to par with God's friendship with us. That sort of fear can um, result in behaviors and spiritual attitudes and spiritual being that is 
anathema to what we actually want our spiritual lives to be. And so when we return to this psalm, Psalm 31, verse 5, I entrust my spirit into your hands. I think that the word that I focus on is just that trust part. Um, so if it is the case that God loves us and God wants the best for us, when we say, I trust you, God, we uh, not only relinquish a little bit of control over outcomes, which is a source of fear, we also acknowledge uh, that the love of God is enough for us. That yes, we do we do need to uh, try to develop habits and modes of being that contribute to the good, that witness to justice and love, and um, ultimately that movement, uh, our our witness to God's love and justice is the result of us first saying to God, "I'm yours." Um, into your hands, I trust my spirit. And we can imagine that God's hands, that God's hands hold us the way that we might hold a, a fragile egg. So imagine you're holding an egg in your hand, you're cupping it, you're holding it gently, and you're not going to let it plop. In a similar way, God, that's how God holds us. He's not going to let us plop. So I think a good practice for me and for us is to uh, begin our days with that sort of statement. I entrust my spirit into you and to move from that trust rather than from fear. Yeah, I'm I'm obviously really struggling with those questions right now, Cam. And um, I don't know. I, I've described myself as like flopping around the past eight days. It's like flopping. Um, but I... <laughs> And in that flopping, I'm looking for any any advice. But that um, that idea, that invitation to begin the day by trusting God, um, trusting. Um, I love that image of God like holding the fragile egg, and that's us. Um, yeah, I. One thing that I appreciate about moments of my fragility and. Um, I, I was in a small group about resistance last night and we were talking about like what, what things do we resist the most um, and how like sometimes that resisting can make it stronger. And one of the things I really resist is um, I, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD about a year ago and that's been really helpful to learn strategies and um, start taking medication. But sometimes it can feel really discouraging and unfair because I see um, from my perspective sometimes it seems like people who don't have ADHD like make plans for their lives and then like just like act on them and it happens not that that happens for everyone but I heard a story of that happening for someone um, and it's it feels like a disability to me that it's so hard to put things together sometimes um, and, and right now, like when I'm experiencing a lot of sadness, those things are even harder. But I kind of building on what you said earlier, Cam, about how we don't, we don't have as much control as we think we have. I kind of think that my disability forces me to know that in a way that sometimes, like I think to have that understanding of the human condition and how 
for struggling. And sometimes like I forget, right? And I'm like, ah, I can put this together, right? Like I can I can be the captain of my destiny. And then um but then when I'm in a fragile state, like when I'm really sad, I'm forced to realize that that I am just a fragile egg. Um and part of me theologically believes that sort of the condition of all of humanity. And I, I don't know, I'm feeling a little bit grateful and sad <laughs> about, um, about the truth of that for me. Um, but yeah, thank you for that invitation to trust. And I will <laughs> try, try to do that. <laughs> So one of the things that um, what you said can made me think about is my so my um, sort of my image of what the kingdom of God is is both like it's like simultaneously really embracing but also super like intimidating and um, it makes me think I don't know I don't know if I, I so I'm in my last year of school to be a social worker right so my career is going to be social work and um, so the uh, in my mind, it's like I'm going to be serving God through that career. Obviously, that's that's the hope. And I think that I personally have like the. Uh, in my mind, it's it's going to be so much easier to be doing the works or acts of trying to add to the kingdom of God, and it'll be easier for me to sort of neglect the uh, sort of personal relationship that also goes into that with God. And that is sort of like scary to me and um, something that I recognize that that's not like a possibility. You know what I mean? That 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 uh, God calls us to be with in personal relationship with him and have a, like a friendship and also do those words. So that might be unrelated, but that's what they think about. Well, Drew, I'll, I'll build on that. Um, we talked last week kind of about that that the same balance of um like personal relationship versus relationship like of god that you share with others and i do feel like it's a natural human tendency to like just assume that you have a meter that you can fill and once you hit the like the top of that meter it's like ah, i'm good i'm good now and i can like move on or now i can like uh maybe like oh now i can like flick the guy off on the drive because I have already done so many great things with God today. This the unrelated, but um, no, I mean, I, I do think it all plays back into that anxiety of like, once we have this like meter or we start negotiating whether or not we can do this or not, then our anxiety comes in because there's that part of us that actually knows that that's not how this works. So then it's like, I can do this, maybe not. And then the anxiety starts to take over. Um, I'm going to use this to segue into, into my, my text, the gospel text, John chapter 14, because I think this, this chunk actually is all about anxiety as well. So I'm just going to go ahead and move right on in. So this text uh, comes right after or sorry, I'm going to get this timeline wrong probably, but um, we're in the, we're in the last supper sort of realm. Um, my understanding of this text, Judas has already left the room and Jesus has kind of laid out all the things that's about to happen, right. Uh, regarding the betrayal and um, crucifixion and everything. Like he's kind of started to bring these concepts before the disciples and the disciples are incredibly anxious. They're, they're anxious about being left alone by Jesus, like once Jesus is gone, they almost feel as though that this identity and this path to God the Father is going to be stripped from them. 
So there's, I mean, you can sense that their vision and their thoughts, their perceptions and everything is starting to be clouded. And Jesus is here trying to comfort them. So actually, I, this is like one of those texts that I actually, I feel so much of the gentleness of Jesus and the way that he interacts with other people, specifically in their anxieties. Um, uh, so he starts off by basically reasoning with them. So he's saying, hey, I'm God, you know me. So like, logically you're good. Um, and he continues on the verse that I wanted to read. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, I have it written down. Uh, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. First of all, I feel like there's a level of comfort in Jesus. If you've been watching the show for a while, you know that like anything that kind of makes that kind of plays towards the humanizing of Jesus is something that I always cling to in scripture a lot. And I think there's a level of comfort comfort that has to come from Jesus's own worry and fear about what's about to happen. Like we have the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus talks about like his his own anxieties and now he's telling it to the disciples and he's comforting them. And I just wonder if there's a level of comforting himself that feels very human. So like one of the one of the things that like makes me feel so drawn to this calming and just soothing side of Jesus in this is because I feel like one, it highlights the respect that Jesus has for the like heavy anxieties that the disciples are going through. I think we can almost relate it to like codependency. Like these disciples don't know if they can like make it without Jesus in their lives. And they're incredibly stressed about that fact. And Jesus is saying like, don't you believe that I am the father? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living through me who is doing this work. It's and he, he goes on to say, like, all the things you've seen me do, like, you're going to get to do even bigger and better things through me and through the Father. And it's because of all that that, like, you're going to be fine. Again, it's just very, just very comforting. To, I'm just going to keep saying the word comfort because I, um, I think there's a lot of scripture out there that feels like it can be interpreted as Jesus kind of like condemning or saying like, how dare you don't understand this? How dare you don't believe this? But in this moment of like incredible anxiety for the disciples and this fear and worry, Jesus like steps away in a moment where he could be super heightened too, because he knows what's about to happen. And he like lays it out for them in a calm demeanor in a way that says like, Hey, you're going to be fine. I swear. Uh, and he's that he is that friend that I mentioned earlier, the friend that says like, "Hey, everything's gonna be okay. I promise. Uh, here's one way it could be okay. Here's another. Um, there's also this. Like, will any of these work for you?" Uh, and I just think that's really cool. I'm gonna stop talking there. That's where I leave it. So yeah, I think that uh, it it is very. I think it is really important that we can be comforted in the fact that. Obviously, Jesus is the, the perfect embodiment of what we are as humans. But I think that it's also very comforting that throughout the gospel and scripture in general, right, it's super clear that Jesus really does experience almost every emotion that we feel as humans, right? So I think that when doing ministry or whatever it is that we have going on in our life, that Jesus understands that, and Jesus, uh, yeah, he just knows what we're going through, and I think that that's, like, uh, comforting, like you said. And I think that there's this myth of adulthood that exists 
in our world of like one day you become an adult and you don't need comfort anymore and you've got it all figured out and you have control over your life and you're competent and you know exactly where you're going and you know how to walk and read and eat solid foods. But I think it like the core of ourselves um, through all of the days of our lives, there is this deep need to be cared for, um, to be nurtured to be known um, and to be supported and, and how good, how good is it to know that we can trust a good and gracious God whose friendship and love and care for us is like that of a good, good father and a good, good mother and, or a good, good caretaker. And that is the God to whom we entrust our spirit. I um, I really appreciate what you said, Mike, and it kind of gave me, um, gave me like a new perspective on this passage. Um, I'm reading this in a different Bible than I usually do. I'm. Um, and Reverend Emily Knight gave me this Poverty and Justice Bible, and I really appreciate it. And it has great resources, so I like using it. Um, and I usually really struggle with this passage, but something about this translation just helped me feel it differently. Um, so I um, I was diagnosed with OCD about a year and a half ago, and I went through... Um, a therapy called exposure response prevention. That was very, very helpful for me. Um, but the idea with it is, um, all right, I think, I think for me, one way some of OCD is a discomfort with uncertainty, um, a discomfort with discomfort, <laughs> um, or like an, an, an inability to handle discomfort at times. Um, so part of the exposure response prevention was basically sitting with discomfort and sitting with uncertainty. Um, one of the things that I do, um, I'll get like existential questions in my head and I have like a Googling compulsion, which sounds silly. And I think it really does give me like a research superpower. <laughs> like I can have a question and then I just like, I quickly Google it and try to find the answers. And sometimes that helps me, but a lot of times, a lot of times the fact is like, I cannot know for certain anything, <laughs> you know, like I can ask the question, um, like, um, like I do it with theological things, right? I'm like, oh, like what is the, what's going, what is the second coming going to be like, right? I can ask that question. Um, and I can try to find all these answers and try to assure myself, like, this is what's going to happen, right? Um, but we really can't know. Um, or even, like, with my own daily habits, right? Like, I, <laughs> I can try to tell myself, like, oh, how's tomorrow going to go? I have no idea. I have no idea how tomorrow is going to go. The, the iPhone weather is often completely wrong. It told me there was a 10% chance of rain when it was, like, pouring. Um, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking about that with this, where I relate to the disciples, like Thomas, we get Thomas here. Um, I relate to the disciples who are like, what, what, 
where are we doing? <laughs> like, they're like, I don't know how to do what you're doing, which is how I often feel when I read Jesus say almost anything. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Like you're saying to do this, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how that's possible. And the disciples are voicing that, but Jesus is saying, have faith. And I, I can feel it with them. I'm like, what does that mean? How can I feel okay when all of this is happening? But I feel invited by Jesus's response to them that he's telling them to be okay with the uncertainty. Um, where like when I'm in an OCD loop, like I'm looking for the thing that'll make everything okay, but there's nothing that will make everything okay, right? I just have to stay, sit with the uncertainty and hold on to what I have in that moment. And that's what I feel like Jesus is inviting the disciples to do and that they're going to fail to do. Um, and I'm, gosh, that's kind of helpful for me because I'm thinking, I feel, I feel invited to sit with that uncertainty in the midst of faith and to see what that does. Yeah, thank you, Brooke. Thank you, everybody, for engaging with this stuff. Um, Brooke, do you want to close us in prayer? Yes, I do. Um, if y'all want to pray with me, um, dear God, thank you so much for bringing us together. It's always just such a bright spot, <laughs> a bright spot in my day and my week. And I thank you for Drew. I thank you for Cam. I thank you for Mike. I thank you for everyone listening. I thank you for Derek for <laughs> putting all this together. Um, and God, I ask that you will illuminate our lives and work in us so that we may do your work um, and greet us with that tender love. Greet us, hold us like that fragile egg, God, but let us feel, let us feel as loved as as the best student, <laughs> the best student in that home at class who's like caring for that fragile egg really well. Um, may we know that you won't drop us, that you'll care for us, even when it seems impossible. And guide us through these days, whether they're hard or easy, guide us through them and be with us. And may we love you. May, <laughs> may we recognize your love. May we, may we give freely to one another in friendship. Um, and may that be enough. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for listening, for watching. Um, much like Stephen, you probably didn't think this is how your day would go. But um, you clicked the link anyways, and you listened. So thank you so much for that. Uh, until next time, this has been Studio Wesley Annex. Out the res.